Hello and welcome to Diminishing Returns. We're back again. My name is Alan. With me, as always, is Sol. Hello. And joining us this week, a brand new guest, Kyle O'Shea. Hello. Pleasure to be on. Hello, Kyle. Hello. Now, Kyle, you are uh, a stage combat uh, and screen combat, I guess. Uh, well, you teach it, but you also perform it. You are employed as a stage combat guy. Is that sort of an accurate description I mean, of your employment? My my very outdated business cards all say stage combat guy, so that is that is about right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. good. We asked you on the show uh, and and specifically sort of asked you to pick a good fighty film that you could sort of tell us all about the fights. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and you picked Gladiator, so that is what we're doing this week. But a really nice choice, I think. A, a, a sort of a classic, a modern classic that we we've never really looked at, have we? So. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we've not really done many what I'd call fighty films at all. Even in terms of, like, Swords and Sandals, we've done, what, Ben-Hur about we five years Ben-Hur, ago, yeah. and that that's the extent of it. So all round, quite a quite a good <laughs> pick, I think. But yeah, so we, we're going to cover the film, and, uh, and, and Kyle, we're going to question you <laughs> about <laughs> fighting. But also, I... Uh, Certainly from my conversation with you, you, you know a fair bit about kind of military history and weapons and armor and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I, I, mean, I don't know if you're an expert exactly, but it's just part of the job, I suppose. It's, yeah, I, I, I don't think I dare call myself an expert at um, anything. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it definitely comes with the job that I do. And I think um, I, I personally am very interested in sort of historical uh, sword play and weapon work. And, and um, as much as sort of the military side of it, you know, it's what I love about Gladiator. I think is that you see this whole range of sort of personal combat. Um, there's, you know, I was thinking about mm. films that I w- would like to talk about, and there's loads of fight films that I love. But it's the, I think Gladiator was one of the first films for me as 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 a as a kid that I went, I love that. I love the fights <laughs> in that. I I want to I want to invest in the fights. I watch them back now. I have a slightly different feel about it, but. Uh, but uh, yeah i still love it i still love it well we the the film pretty much begins with a battle sequence there's a sort of little bit of build up to it but you know that opening scene is a big battle and because of the the kind of the time period that's really still quite personal it's very here's a load of people running another load of people and then there's all a big mashup so i I guess that's the best place to start we're we're introduced to uh maximus russell crowe character he's what is he a general? Is he the general of the legion or something? Yeah, uh, quite sure. They, they, yeah, military they, they, groups. I, I'm not. I mean, they talk about how they wanted um, Gladiator to be very historically accurate, and I, I'm not sure how historically accurate a lot of what they do is. But um, but yes, I mean, he calls himself a general later on, so general's probably a good way of of describing him. Yeah. I I must say I didn't realize till about halfway through the film that like this was based on real events. I just assumed it was a load of made up like. <laughs> well, I think it's basically there was a Commodus emperor. He was a bit of a dick and got assassinated. I mean, that's that's about as much truth as there is to it. Um, but I mean, I, so... I got halfway through the film without even considering that that much was real. I don't really know. I I think I just yeah. see this aesthetic and it makes me think of Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings and I just assume it's all a load of bollocks. No, I I actually think like you know it, it's not a documentary right but I, uh I mean it's set 
I don't know if it's set slightly after 180 AD, but in 180 AD you've got you've got Marcus Aurelius, um, who I think actually in real life at that time might have just died. I think he might have already died like a few years earlier, but he was at one point co-emperor with with Commodus. Well, I, yeah, I think wasn't Commodus like seven when he became emperor, so probably he was like the yeah like the adult in charge of the. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I I didn't realize he was seven, but yeah, I think he was I think he was quite young. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, God, imagine being emperor at seven. Yeah, it's, it's nonsense, isn't it? It's like it's like supreme supreme power, but if you if you're raised in it and you don't know any different, it's like, oh, yeah. but that's why he ended up being completely megalomaniacal and uh, was assassinated. Oh yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, there's, well, I mean, I don't know why the film didn't concentrate more on like. I mean, he 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 fought as a gladiator loads. Commodus. Yes. He he was crazy from what I understand. I think at one point he apparently killed like I don't know it's like a hundred lions in one go. <laughs> that I assume we've all were... done that though, haven't we? Oh yeah. <laughs> I think I think he used to. I think if people were missing limbs, I, there's something like if they were missing limbs, maybe he used to have them tied up against each other so it looked like a sort of a giant person, and then he'd just kill them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This, I, I, I don't think I'm making this up either. Like my the thing about the thing about Rome, obviously, is it's such a you know a long-serving uh, empire that if you know a little bit about Rome, you know nothing mm. about Rome, right? Um, and I think in the end, it was like a failed poisoning attempt, and then mm. uh, another gladiator who maybe he'd fought or something like strangled him in the bath or something like that. Yeah, something along those lines. Yeah, but yeah, he was known as the gladiator emperor, but of course. Let's not assume those were fair fights. <laughs> oh no, God, no, 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 no. That, that was definitely not. just yeah, got got a bunch of people strapped together to make them look like one big person, <laughs> <laughs> like three children in a long coat. <laughs> he just stabbed. Them. <laughs> oh, I might have to go and fact check that one. <laughs> well, no, no, that's not what you do. Uh, you just you print the legend. That's that's what it's yeah. about. You should have been there with the script writers with a better film. Oh <laughs> uh, dear, but yeah, okay. Let, we've kind of jumped forward to Commodus, who's played by Joaquin Phoenix. He's not in it yet. Uh, let's, let's let's go back to the beginning. Let's get Russell Crowe in here first. Russell, I was looking at Russell Crowe actually. Like, what what had he done before mm. this? I, I do think this was the film that made him a star. Um, like, because the stuff he'd done before. Uh, yeah. He'd just done The Insider, he did LA Confidential, you know, like some solid roles that were sort of building his career. But this is the lead role in what turned out to be a massive film. And uh, did he yeah, win well, the Oscar he for this? He won an Oscar. Yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. Didn't he? It, won, it definitely yeah, won he Best did, Picture, uh... didn't he? Yeah, I know that. Um, so, yeah, I think this was the film that really made Russell Crowe. Created that a fair? monster. What do you think? How do you feel about Russell Crowe? <laughs> I mean, watching this again last night really cemented it, but I really think Russell Crowe is just rubbish. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I used to kind of think, okay, he's alright, he's got his place, but there's a lot of films I've seen him in where he's just the worst thing in it. But I don't know, like, watching this last night, I mean, he's fine, he, he gets away with being in the film, it's not like he's ruining it, but he just... I do not understand what, like how he won an Oscar for this. I I don't see yeah. what he was bringing to the table. So I mean, even compared to the other actors in this film, I don't think anyone particularly stands out. Joaquin Phoenix is going all in, but yeah, I had the same feeling. I, I haven't got a problem with Russell Crowe particularly. I think he's fine, but yeah, he never jumps out at me as an amazing actor yeah. either. And he used here... to not hugely be on my radar. Then obviously he did Les Miserables and was, you know, by <laughs> well, far and away the worst. <laughs> but that's that. what I mean. It, like by far and away the worst thing in that film ruins every scene he's in. But 
you know, as you say, that's hideous miscasting. It's not fair to blame him on the, uh, that on him. I, I did, I did like his turn as a little Cockney cheeky chappy in the Mummy, as you know. <laughs> oh, when he, he he goes from Doctor Jekyll into Ray Winston. Yeah. <laughs> I'm offering you a partnership. You, evil incarnate. Me, your good friend Eddie Hyde. Think about it. But um, <laughs> that is the one thing i can think of where i've really thought like oh i like what he's doing i would here. like I'm to see him do it. more comedy i think he'd be he'd be very mm. capable of it yeah he'd yeah really quite embrace that yeah uh, but yeah I, I i thought the same thing and i think this is something you see a lot in hollywood uh with with men anyway particularly where they're just sort of playing the strong silent type and they don't say much and they're gritty they don't show too much emotion when they do it's kind of repressed and like oh my god my wife's dead and then you win an Oscar. And it's like, mm, yeah, but like, like Tom Hardy and everything he's ever done. That's, that's <laughs> well, I don't know. Tom, Tom Hardy, though, like he'll chew the scenery or do a funny voice. Like Tom Hardy will really go all in in different types of role. Whereas I think Russell Crowe, I've just never really seen... I mean, I guess he has done different types of role. I just always think it's shit. Like A Beautiful Mind. I think he's terrible in that film, but... Just watch 20 minutes of State of Play for a while and then watch Gladiator, you will give him an Oscar. <laughs> Just to stop State of Play, right? <laughs> I actually watched State of Play quite recently, I think, like um, earlier this month or something. And yeah, I mean, I couldn't for the life of me tell you what happens in it now. Um, it's completely <laughs> gone from my head. Um, if I remember right, it's just his ponytail acting, isn't it? Like that's... <laughs> <laughs> In this opening scene, in this opening battle, uh, they're 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 the Roman, you know, well organized legion or whatever, fight, fa- facing these Germanic barbarians, and it does quite quickly could become a kind of not exactly one on one combat, but you know, going at it with some swords, which is kind of your area, Kyle. So um, I guess how how how, was it, how did you feel on that point from that point of view on the first battle sequence? I think whenever I watched Gladiator, which is probably every like few years um one of the things that i really enjoy about it is is i do think that it tells the story of the fights quite well even though sometimes the choreography isn't always the best and the and sort of the the way that they set the shots isn't always fantastic but in this first battle um, you don't see a huge amount and i quite like that because it's messy there's there's you know how do you tell when everyone's muddy and bloody how do you start to tell who's who? How do you, you know, beards aside or whatever, how do you start to kind of differentiate between your your enemy and, and the person you're supposed to be fighting with? As soon as the Romans uh, lose their cohesion, and I think one thing that you don't really see when it gets into the battle is is kind of what everyone professes about the Roman style of fighting, where they kind of really stick to their positioning throughout or as much as possible. Yeah. You know, there's a moment where he turns around and there's some, there's some grunt that he almost skewers with his sword and then smiles at him before carrying on. And it's just, you know, that that's that's not a fight, but it's one nice moment of showing how confident he is in the battle and and dealing with what's around him. And then all of a sudden you see that big Germanic guy getting skewered with every bit of steel that they could find uh, on the battleground. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to ask you, actually, there's, there's several points in the film where there's one point where Russell Crowe throws a sword like about 40 meters <laughs> and it skewers right through someone and and there's quite a lot of where you basically just plunge a sword and it goes right through out the back uh, just mm. how, how realistic is that like in terms of sword manufacture and stuff were they <laughs> sharp enough to just go straight through a human body I mean no um, <laughs> it's probably the, it's probably the quick answer like it's it's 
so there's a guy there's a guy called mike loads who is an old school uh sort of archery and and edged weapon historian and i remember when i was training to teach this i was reading a lot of his, one of his books and he had i mean i i want his life like every chapter would start with i needed someone to make me a greek cyphos sword so i got this production company to do it and then i rode around on horseback skewering pig carcasses um <laughs> to test how sharp they were and, and you know the, the 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 roman gladius was iconic uh the, the, the roman sword was iconic because it was if you cut down to see the cross section it was diamond shaped which meant they could have this sort of short thrust based sword at a time when actually most swords would have been pretty naff at thrusting um because they weren't made with this sort of diamond cross section so that in itself that was revolutionary for, for, for the romans and a big part of why they were able to sort of conquer the way they did along with the rest of their sort of military tactics but the idea of skewering someone straight through is 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 i'm i'm gonna say it's pure hollywood until i get the chance <laughs> to try it i think well on a similar note i mean something that really wound me up with this film but it's not it's not just this film it's films in general whenever i actually see a sword get someone and cut them in a film it almost always just looks like a piece of metal brushing along the top of someone's skin and leaving some kind of red paint mm -hmm. behind to, to kind of say look we've we've cut them i i imagine if you were to actually go at someone properly with a sword it'd be like you know slicing a chicken breast with a knife you'd see it kind of the skin come apart and yeah, i think it comes down to the way in which you one have to create the fight in terms of sort of the choreographic elements and the performative elements, mm. but but also I guess like so so yeah I mean I, I you know if you're going to cut through someone you're going to see as the skin sort of, you know if the sword's sharp enough it's going to go through the skin you're going to see that sort of nice tearing of muscle and ligament uh, and then you know as that tear sort of widens you're going to get to the to the bone or the guts or whatever but I think in in a lot of the time what you're looking for is pace within the fight. You're looking for mm. it to happen and then move on. So I think sometimes it comes down to, okay, Gladiator is a massive film, but it comes down to budget in terms of what you're willing to invest in each and every performer. And if, if they are part of the stunt team that are just getting sort of destroyed by Russell Crowe, um, <laughs> then, then they're probably not going to invest a huge amount. They'd have to make like a fake torso for every single yeah, person who yeah. gets hit by a sword, I suppose, wouldn't they? It would be a huge, you know, special just strap effect. a pig carcass to the I, I, mean, I, I, I did something similar recently for a uh, for a feature film uh, that uh, a colleague of mine was was fight directing on. Uh, we came in, we did some stunt work, and I had to uh, slip my own neck. Nice. And there was yeah, I know, and it was it was it was, it was sort of horror cult. But there was loads of us in this in this room. But there was only three of us with prosthetics on because they take so long to to get set up. Obviously, every single time you need to reset because the lighting wasn't right or someone didn't do something at the right time. That that sort of that process is is lengthy. Um, and I think sometimes it's easier just to have, as you say, that kind of that red line or just see them go down and the audience goes, yeah, they got they got cut, they're killed, fine. You might you might know more about this, Kyle, but you know in in kind of battle of those days, in old school combat, would there have been a lot of deaths on the battlefield or would it be mostly just like everyone dies two weeks later when their wounds get infected? 
Yeah, so I, I think it, it depends what time in history we're, you're talking about. But actually, if I mean, if you, obviously we're talking Roman right now, but if you, if we go later to like sort of medieval period uh, Europe, um, there might not have necessarily been a lot of deaths on the battlefield, mm. uh, especially if you're talking about sort of the the knightly class, the chivalric classes, because of the armor they were mm. wearing. And I think one thing that Gladiator does quite quite well is after the battle you see the outcome of that you see the dead you see the wounded who mm. who can't get up and who aren't going to be bothered with um you see you see the fallout of battle which can i think be as you say it can, i think it can be worse than the battle itself mm. yeah but yeah so in, in terms of the story uh, after this battle we establish you know maximus is a great general brilliant soldier the emperor knows him personally really likes him in fact sees him as a son in fact his own son is a bit shit, a bit of a dud, and he actually prefers Maximus. And that is the sort of inciting incident for the whole plot. He says, Maximus, look, I want you to take over when I die. Tells the son that as well, and the son kills him before he can make that official, I guess. So we establish, you know, son, bad guy, Commodus, and he then gets rid of Russell Crowe, which involves sending him off somewhere. They're going to discreetly kill him, bury him in a shallow grave. Go and kill his family just to be sure. But obviously, because he's Maximus Decimus Meridius, he foils this attempt to kill him by just being sort of really cool and, and killing everyone <laughs> before they kill him. Uh, yeah, he goes to go, go back to his family and they're dead and have been strung up and, and kind of completely brutally killed. And it is a really this scene didn't, brutal This moment. scene didn't work for me at all. Do you want to know why? Uh, okay. <laughs> Because he, because Russell Crowe's there trying to be really emotional. He's seen like his wife just hanging, uh, dead. His family's been murdered, and there's just a chicken in the background of the shot, just <laughs> milling about, pecking, having a laugh. <laughs> and I don't know why, but I just found it really funny. It completely undermined any sense of emotion for me. I didn't, I didn't notice that. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously the family's chicken, you know, it makes sense, but it just, it's just a weird it's thing to have in the shot when he's, you know, Russell Crowe's there crying on the floor. But this is, you know, obviously I've done a lot of background work in my time. You can't be the distraction in the background. That's no good. Yeah, exactly. That chicken should have, the AD should have had that chicken move. <laughs> That's it. He's a real, he's really trying to hog the camera. But but I don't think I've ever noticed the chicken. I, I didn't notice the because chicken. for me in that moment in that scene I'm focusing only on the bodily fluids that Russell Crowe is emitting. <laughs> I'm focusing on because because I mean you know I'm thinking now of things like the Revenant like bodily fluids is a way to get uh, an Oscar right? Yeah. <laughs> like so he's you just trying so the... hard that you spit all over. Yeah, yourself. he's got the snot. Well, hang on, out hang on. on it, it it does depend which bodily fluids you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I, like some will do better than others. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think it's I think it's a shot from the waist up, right? I think we're only seeing... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is a pretty brutal scene, you know. We really appreciate mm. the emotions of it. Are we supposed to? And it and it and it does set up this kind of crusade of vengeance that he's going to go on, like uh, because what we've seen so far, it's just not quite personal enough. But now it's personal, you know. Now it's, kind of... um, but then he just sort of collapses from too many uh, bodily fluids being ejected and then gets picked up by a slave trader i guess i mean i i find the whole slavery thing bad, absolutely baffling well it's it's awful yeah but i find <laughs> it baffling we cleaned that cleared that up 
I mean, not, you know, not that I... Because the weird thing with slavery back then is it wasn't even along racial lines. Like, obviously, racially-based like prejudice is terrible, but I can understand how, if you're racist, how you can fall into a worldview that categorizes things in that way. Whereas it must have been so confusing to live in a society where there were people who were slaves, but there was no distinguishing way of kind of knowing at a glance this is a slave this isn't i don't know it's, it's well, just I, so weird I, I isn't it think, how does that even happen i think because i mean I, I don't know the exact length of time but i think like the roman empire spans something like a thousand years i think i don't know if that's from like the very very like you know tiniest of romulus and remus-esque beginnings or whatever mm. um, until until the last you know part of rome kind of uh, the empire fell but generations lived and died under the uh, the idea of the roman empire and i th- if i'm right i think like even if you were the lowest of the low in terms of roman stock you would have held your nose up at anyone else even mm. if you were you know sort of wiping people's asses like if that was you know what i mean like if you yeah. were if you were i don't know if you do that if you're roman i guess but if you were roman <laughs> no matter what your job was you were better than everyone else and and mm. i know with like commodus because he was seeing himself as like the reincarnation of Hercules, so he wanted to. I think he, the, I think maybe the year he died or just before he died, he wanted to see in the new year as both emperor and gladiator, and that would have been like a massive two fingers up towards everyone in Rome. It would have been seen as I think as a really bad thing. But the but the other side of that coin, I think, is that if you were a gladiator and you were good, I think they got like requests from noble women who wanted to sleep with a gladiator i think they were like studded out at times i think they could (laughs) amass like i think they could amass wealth as well i think Mm. i I think they had this sort of weird space where it's like they're so low that actually they could do quite well until they died yeah Yeah, i mean obviously the ultimate goal was to win your freedom i suppose but i don't suppose that happened very often i'm not sure how many did that no Mm. would this you know the commodus being the gladiator and all that would that be like sort of equivalent if the queen went on love island (laughs) 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 and she just like (laughs) but but everyone had to sort of take it seriously or get killed (laughs) i guess the slave traders just sort of wander around and go oh there's an unconscious guy there i'll have that well, this is what I mean about slavery being weird. It's like, what what constitutes who is and isn't a slave? And then at what point does the law, like the rule of the land, step in to back that up? If Russell Crowe had run away and put on a suit, does that mean he's not a slave anymore? Like, <laughs> Because they, get they pick him up when he's unconscious. So when he wakes up, he's like, oh, actually, you know, I've got a job to get to. I should have been there three hours ago. Can you drop me off? Yeah, like, and then uh, they would they just have to let him go or what? Yeah, it doesn't really. I guess if someone's got power, but I mean it's, (laughs) but it's the real thing that happened. So you know, I'm not saying this in terms of the film logic. I just I don't get it. I don't understand. Slavery is just weird. It's such an (laughs) odd concept. I mean, I I think I mean yeah, I'm not going to disagree on that. Um, but, but I think like in his in that moment, obviously like well, he's unconscious, I guess for however long. Uh, he's wearing crap clothes. He's you know he doesn't look like a like you know a Roman commander. And they I think they even say like they assume that he's a deserter. Yeah, because he's got the tattoo of the the uh, legion thing on his arm. We end up in Rome, I guess. Um, uh, do they go straight to Rome? Anyway, he ends up as a gladiator. He's fighting. 
Commodus is putting on the biggest games ever. So all the gladiators are going to Rome. My next note is basically this is a this is a great scene when he finally sort of reveals his identity to Commodus and he turns around and he goes, My name mm. is Maximus Decimus Meridius. Like that bit. It's a really yeah. great scene. But is that the first kind of little bit of gladiator battle we see them doing just before that? Um, I get in. I think it's the first one in Rome. They do they do the, like the equivalent of a montage, I guess, when they're in. Uh, <laughs> Is it Zuckerbar? It's Algeria, I think it's supposed to be. Right, yeah. Um, they have, you know, where he... Uh, see, I love the one-liners in this. Like, I know earlier you mentioned about when he almost gets executed at the start, and uh, as cheesy as it is, I love when he turns to the Roman soldier and says, the frost, sometimes it makes the blade stick, just before he kills him. Because <laughs> it's, it's, you can't get away with that. You shouldn't be allowed to say that in a film. <laughs> and then in Algeria they have the montage where he just keeps killing everybody and then he throws his sword is it his sword he throws up towards mm-hmm. whoever's watching oh yeah he throws like a pint and he's like are you not entertained all of that so he's yeah, 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 yeah. That, those lines and then when he says um, I shall have my vengeance in this life or the next it's very stylized. it's not natural dialogue but in the context, you just get away with it. I think Russell Crowe, to his credit, does sell it. And it's like if you're going to face down the emperor of the world, basically, and tell him, I'm going to fuck you, even though I've got absolutely no power. You need to say it in a really pretentious way, <laughs> a stupid way, don't you? Like, it has to have this pomp and ceremony about it. So um, I think they get away with it. But I, I bet on the on the page it didn't read well. <laughs> like it, it just looks very clunky. What kind of happens after that? It's just more. It's just sort of quite a lot of fight, going jumping from one fight to the next, and then interspersed with a bit of political intrigue. That's the bit that doesn't. Yeah, I, I can't. I don't really care about Derek Jacobi in it. I don't. <laughs> you know, um, like I, I, I enjoy the fights. They're not the best, but I do enjoy the story of the fights. They could have, for me, in my own personal taste, just shown all the fights in one go and then got towards the last bit. <laughs> mm. And you just turn it off. <laughs> Put an 80s like power rock song over the top of it. I- I'm actually, right I'm actually annoyed that they don't kill Derek Jacobi in it. Like I don't get, you know, you know, at the end where everyone comes out and they're all fine. You know, they they they've all survived, um, basically helping him stow away when he tries to leave Oliver Reed's gladiator camp. Um, and yet somehow they've all survived and they're all good and they can sort of carry him along. And Derek Jacob is still there. It's like, no, mate, you should have been killed. There's no way you survived. Well, yeah, he'd obviously been put into prison because Russell Crowe right at the end goes something like, oh, tell them to let out Derek Jacoby, and then. (laughs) They go, and like 20 seconds later, he's there. Like, they must have had him in a cell, like, next door. Maybe they were going to throw him out for the Lions right at the end as a, as a big closer. I, I, I wonder, actually, if they were going to have Oliver Reed still be there. And they were like, oh, that's kind of been ruined now, so that's... Well, that it, apparently Oliver Reed was going to be a bigger part of the ending, and they were going to fight, or he was supposed to fight him as a, like a gladiator kind of thing, which oh, I don't know if that quite worked, because he's, what, 70 years old or whatever. I don't know if it would really play. That, that's the spin-off I want. <laughs> they have him fight a gladiator. They say, oh, this is the greatest gladiator ever. He's come out of retirement, and it's Sven Ole Thorsen, but it's like, yeah, he's like a guy who's past his peak. It's like... We, we need someone to, like, beat the best guy ever. Like, um, if it was boxing, he'd be like, let's get George Foreman. Like, no, he's he's 72 years old. That's like, <laughs> just because he was good once doesn't mean he is now. So, um, oh, here's a question for you, Kyle. Have you ever fought a tiger? Is this surrealistic? <laughs> um, that's, the, there's, like, two separate questions in that, right? Have I ever fought... <laughs> 
have I ever fought a tiger? I mean, I'd give it a go, I reckon. Do you reckon you could take a tiger? If you had a sword? I, okay, I, in my head, I've got boxing gloves. but I mean, if, if the tiger's on a chain, like it is in this film, and I've got a sword, I reckon I could take a tiger. It's not a particularly fair match, is it? If it's, you know, limited I, in its... I don't think I'd want to get close enough to a tiger with a sword, though. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I would. I don't think I would dare get that close to it. Like you know, they have they have the tiger jump on his back, yet it doesn't eat yeah. him. Doesn't leave a scratch. No, it doesn't. That doesn't bite him either. Not worried. Not interested in biting him. But like, is it realistic? Like, yeah, it's like the the idea of like gladiator fights in um, not just fighting animals, but like bestiality. I think was. I don't know if it was the most popular thing, but I think it was definitely on the niche list of gladiator exploits. <laughs> like no way am I gonna kill this tiger and I'm gonna fuck well, they, it. They'll do like a donkey show for the crowd. I think, I think well, yeah, because I think obviously it was like a whole. You think they've got what do they say? I'm sure it's something like 150 something days worth of games. You got us by the by the end like, to keep that fresh. You really have to be digging. <laughs> right, well, bestiality, I guess. So where does that come? Day 147. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that, that that might come like a late night feature. I must say to give this film uh, some credit. Like if they made this now, ninety nine percent chance those tigers would just be CGI, and I'm sure they'd be very oh, yeah, good yeah, yeah. like CGI, but it's just not the same as having an actual tiger clearly in there with the with the actors and the stuntmen and everything. It does give it some um, something. Yeah, yeah, I do like how you know obviously the tigers are prowling around, they're pissed off. And I do like, you know, the only way to do that is to piss it off. Like, you can't get a tiger to act <laughs> that. So it's obviously just like, just before they go for a take, someone's just like smacking it in the face with a rolled up newspaper. <laughs> and it's just like, what? <laughs> is, was there an American Humane Association message at the end of this film? Or whatever the animal thing is. I'm sure there was. I, I didn't look <laughs> for it. There's nothing they're doing in this film where I thought, oh, there's no way. I don't know, like tiger. No, th- to be honest, what you see of the tigers in this film feels quite choppily edited together. Like yeah. they're yeah. editing around the tigers, you know, batting a little feathery thing on a string away and stuff. They're kind of having to work with the shots where they do look angry. I was fascinated with with Rome and ancient Rome and and, and the gladiators from from being a kid. I think. The, it kind of appeals to that side of me and what i i guess what one of the things i like about the fights is that they show a great breadth of of what the games would have been about you know the uh the sort of the idea of the mob being interested in bread and circus you know feed them get them drunk give them something to be interested in they won't care what else is going on uh in in the world and they pull all these resources from the empire so you know you have uh what is it the battle of carthage uh, recreated you know you have the guy coming out of retirement mm. but w- in this whole tiger scene i feel like someone once told me that ridley scott wanted to have maximus fight a rhino or or be in or no, maybe not fight a rhino but like the rhino would have been in the arena instead of tigers and then i think they went no do you know what bengal tigers are probably a safer option <laughs> tigers are easier to get hold of yeah, <laughs> rhino. But but I I love I love that I love the idea of going. Do you know what we can get a rhino? We could do a rhino. Let's do <laughs> you it. Want a rhino? I'll get you a rhino by three o'clock. Yeah. Uh, but I, what I what we what we kind of slightly lose sense of here is you know at the time you know if you're a baying Roman mob going to the see the the gladiatorial fight you've never seen a tiger you don't know what a tiger is that's not been like part of your childhood of like animal books. 
Mm. A tiger pops out of the floor and it's like, what the fuck is that? It's like a massive cat. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> or a rhino? Pull a rhino out and then just sort of like stab it or something. <laughs> like, yeah, this is amazing. This is, this is the best entertainment I've ever had. <laughs> I liked how they gave them bread. It's like That's like when you give you free nuts in the pub, isn't it? It's to make you drink more. Because <laughs> they're just giving everyone these like dry husks of bread. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, get me a beer. Um, but yeah, Russell Crowe kills the tiger, and that's a classic kill the cat moment, isn't it? That's that that confirms him as a villain. You can't kill the cat. Yeah, my girlfriend didn't like that. Yeah. She she got very self righteous. <laughs> she she was like that. They they shouldn't do that. She does know it didn't. They didn't really kill it, right? I did I did explain that. <laughs> she she was like, I just it's not right. You shouldn't show that in a film. <laughs> she was all right with all the human murder though. That's that's why I asked, and yeah, she was like, yeah, it's fine. They're actors. <laughs> I guess the issue is that the the tiger actors didn't consent to being shown dying. I do miss the days when they would have just drugged the tiger. <laughs> oh, dear. I think it's because I've been watching all this gladiatorial combat. I want to see some proper blood sport now. <laughs> I think if, if there was a show and they're like, look, we've got some guys, they're going to fight each other with swords until they die. <laughs> You want to see it? <laughs> Go on, you know what? Maybe I do. <laughs> they, they, that's where they've, their lives have come to, whatever. See, the, I mean, there, there are versions of that that kind of exist, but they're just never as satisfying as you want. There's a, there's, there's a programme that must have come out within the last six months, I think. Night, I think I, actually, I genuinely think it's called Night Fight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's what it's called. And it's, uh, it's it was an American programme. I think they've got like a, an ex- wwf wrestler uh presenting it and like they've just got these these american guys that, that that do medieval um martial arts basically so they're dressed up in armor they've got their weapons they're blunted weapons and they fight in timed uh rounds in in in, in a big ring in a big octagon and i thought you know what? i'm gonna watch this because that is exactly the sort of thing that i want to see but in reality 90 percent of the blokes are just overweight too old and just <laughs> like to collect the gear yeah <laughs> And then I'm frustrated because one, they can't do what they're supposed to be able to do, and two, I want to see someone die. Like I, I want to, I, I mean, maybe not die, maybe not die, but I, but, but I want to see someone like get seriously injured. I want to, I want to, I want to know how, because, because the thing is, they've got, they have all these rules, like you know, you beat, you know, you beat them, but if someone takes a knee, if someone goes down, you don't hit them, you let them get back up. But yeah. everything that I've learned about like the way in which you fight with these particular weapons and the sort of things that these people were learning to do you get them to the ground and you destroy them and it just it really jars with me i think the the popularity sort of more recent years of uh, mma and ultimate fight fighting and all that it's because it's just brutal <laughs> and it's like the only rule is like if it appears the person is dead we'll stop the fight like when they literally stop moving and stop defending themselves, that's when they jump in. And sometimes they're a bit late on that. <laughs> and the other fighter will just keep hitting until someone stops them. It's like they don't know how to turn off. It's pretty horrific. But maybe there's some sort of primal instinct that makes you go, "Oh, that's great! I want to watch that." Well, there is. If you, I think, if you Google Polish League of Fighting Knights, they oh, do because. <laughs> Because yeah, there's yeah, which is basically what they do is a mix between HEMA, which is historical European martial arts, and MMA. 
and it's really cool because you know you get to see kind of how how maneuverable people were in armor and how mm. you know how how much you can seriously hurt someone um when you're dressed up in this gear and you know what you're doing but it's also it's a sport so they they are, they are going full out and it is it is entertainment as well i guess um, that's just one that's just like one example of one that i know but um i i want i want to see someone brutalized i want to know they're safe <laughs> afterwards but i want to see someone brutalized at the time <laughs> well you you, you do stuff specifically on the stage as well don't you like with stage weapons yeah if you if you like had to kill a man <laughs> you were pitted against them to the death but you only had fake stage weapons to work with which is what's the best fake weapon to use to kill someone the problem with kyle is that he spent his entire life learning how not to hit people but making it look like he does so anytime <laughs> he'll try to hit someone he'll just pull back an inch away from them <laughs> I think I think that I think that is wrong because actually I mean as as Alan as, as you can attest to you like you know you you've done uh, some training um, you've used the swords yeah. and actually when you stop playing with different weapon systems like you know a medieval longsword is is a, a they're not heavy they're less than two kilos but we're talking uh, you know a good sized bit of steel that if you mm. whack someone with it would kill them so in terms of like the weapon I'd take something like a medieval longsword. Um, as a stage combat weapon the problem mm. is is i don't know how to do that like i know I, like, like, like you say i know how to make it look like i might do that but 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 i don't have the follow-through I, I, it, it wouldn't exist let's try and find our way back into a plot here uh <laughs> basically uh we're building up to an ending where we've got enough people that want to get rid of Commodus and they see Maximus as someone they can kind of gather behind as a as a champion kind of thing it's they see their chance they're trying to assassinate him and then Commodus's sister who has been on Russell Crowe's side the whole time gives it all up gives everything away and everyone dies <laughs> pretty much everyone gets caught <laughs> And it was just such a, like, oh, she stitched them right up, right at the 11th hour. Like, she couldn't just lie for another 12 hours to get through this. And you know why? It's because he threatened her son. And this is why I will never trust anyone with children. They can't be trusted because they have a weakness. (laughs) Carl, you've got a couple of kids, right? I've got, I've got a couple of kids, yeah. I've got a couple of kids. Would you sell us out if you, someone threatened your kids? Oh, absolutely. Like, you would, wouldn't you? Exactly. Absolutely. That's why I will never get, bring you into my murder plot. You, yeah, I mean, actually, like my kids are both pretty handy with a sword, which is which is cool. <laughs> uh, but but absolutely, I'd sell you out in a second. Yeah. <laughs> but that but that is the problem with the Gladiator, I think, as a film, because although it's based around historic events, I don't believe there's anything true in in Maximus Decimus Meridius, right? I think I, I'm no. sure he's completely, mm. completely fictitious. I want to see the ending where some wrestler comes in and strangles Commodus in a bathtub. <laughs> That's the ending I want to see. <laughs> that would be good, though, yeah, if they were just like, oh, look, we tried and we messed it up, and then just someone else just comes along and strangles him. <laughs> I was like, oh, we didn't think of that, damn it. We could have done that. Could have just stabbed him in the face. Why wouldn't we do that? But what, what was a a bit disappointed by as we talked about the kind of the real commodus that we don't see him go and fight in in the with the gladiators until right at the end which i suppose gives us your big finish with russell crowe but it would be a nice to see him like fighting a tiger or something just because because also the way i saw the character you see him fighting as in like training 
But it's just like, yeah, but it's, that's just a bunch of yes men who are just doing what you want and letting you win. So I want it to be as soon as like when he, uh, Commodus and Maximus have a fight. I want it to be like like four seconds. Maximus just like swings at his head and like no- knocks his head off. And it's like, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, he couldn't fight. He was shit. <laughs> Yeah. I mean that is essentially the essence no, of what I, happens. No, I think the so idea just... of that fight is like obviously Russell Crowe's been injured, but there is, you know, at least something of a, a fight. He he has a real go at him. This is one of the fa- I I think like from my point of view, in terms of what I like it within my profession, what I want to see from actors if they're performing violence on stage or screen, that for me is is uh, as much as I love this film, and I do, for whatever reason. Um but that's where it really falls down because I don't believe it tells its story to the best effect. Um, you know, like the real Commodus, he he went to I mean how much involvement he had, but he went to war with his with his dad. You know, he 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 did fight in the arena, even though I I, I think a lot of the time it wasn't to death. It was like to beat his opponents, they gave up quite easily. You know, but he was still skilled. And actually that that whole bit at the beginning where where Joaquin Phoenix is topless fighting all his yes men, mm. um, that would have been a particular sort of training regime. That would probably would have been sort of understood, practiced sequences that would have helped him if he was fighting multiple opponents. And yeah. it would have been great to have seen in the build up to this him step in and absolutely own it maybe i mean although it kills off someone like, like let him fight uh jimon hunsu mm. let him fight someone let him and let him kill them and let that final fight be more than just oh i've stabbed you in the kidney that's it going into that final fight i wasn't sure like because of the nature of his character and everything you think he's just a bit of a pansy who likes to play at fighting yeah. and they let him win whereas i think if you build this character who is actually really handy then that's a that's a bigger threat going into that fight, and the fact that he wounds uh, him, it's a cowardly move, obviously. And yeah. uh, maybe if he hadn't done that, maybe if there had been some sense of like, no, I want I want to genuinely beat you because I think I'm better than you, and I'm going to prove it, because he he was big headed enough to actually believe that, even if it was not true. But I th- I think like you say the, the the essence of that scene, the way I took it, is that he. You know, he he isn't <laughs> a yeah. particularly great fighter. But then um, it doesn't go far enough He's vaguely that to really aware make of that it. point, I think, either. Yeah, I know, but it's because it would be too funny for this kind of a film, I think. It, <laughs> yeah. you know, but the fact that he, you know, is, he loses his sword or it breaks or whatever, and then he's asking them, come on then, give, give me your sword. And they're like, no, you're fighting. Like, I think that is their attempt to get at what you're talking about. It's just not as on the nose as it perhaps might have been can can we talk about fight kyle like that that fight between them at the end is one of the really kind of prolonged one-on-one fights it's got swords got a bit of dagger hand to hand is that the real kind of money shot for you no sadly i don't i, I think <laughs> i don't i don't think it, i don't I, it should be and i don't for me i don't In think it achieves it, it. yeah it's you know there's, there's a lot going on there but no this film in general i i was I was a bit let down with just how it was shot the the combat it for my taste it always felt a bit too claustrophobically shot like too up close and shaky to the point that I couldn't really take in all the the choreographed yeah, I know fighting mean, yeah. that was going on properly I my my taste with action like this is I I would much rather just have a a wide camera shot and just watch everything unfold in one take, mm. which I get isn't, you know, 
to everyone's tastes, but it's um... also a lot harder to do with actors. <laughs> True. Well, it's it's more to yeah, it's more Ridley Scott's vibe as well, isn't it? To just kind of do a scene properly once through with about three cameras on it, rather. Well, have than you have you seen the cutting back and forth? Have you seen the Duelists, Kyle? Uh, yes, I love the Duelists because that's obviously a very early. I think it was his first film, wasn't it? Ridley Scott's first film, and that's all about sword fights and stuff. I, yeah. I haven't seen it for so long; I couldn't remember it. But is that different? Are they doing like really the, good the Duelists is fantastic? It's Harvey Keitel, and I, I I feel really bad. I always forget the other guy's name. Um, but the Duelist is fantastic, and actually, they do like to to em- sort of employ that that sort of that wide shot. Um, and oh god they really actually I should have chose that they really tell the story <laughs> well um, there's a beautiful bit at the beginning where um, Harvey Keitel was fighting someone insignificant dueling him with a small sword and they sort of set themselves up they get ready and then he sort of stops and he turns and he sneezes and the other guy doesn't stab him in the back and then he turns back and they engage and then they go and eventually Harvey Keitel kills him and it's that sort of that the, the honor and the code of of the duel, um, and it's and I think it's really beautifully played, and, and their their personal relationship, the two main guys throughout, is fantastic, and that is lacking here. But I think sort of um, soul from what you said, uh, I realized actually going into this that I didn't know who the stunt coordinator was on Gladiator, and I was like, I probably should know that. So I went and had a look, and because of the way that stunts are kind of set out in the world, actually on IMDb, it was really hard to find who the guy <laughs> was, which is ridiculous. Would the stunt coordinator be the fight coordinator? Would it be a, would that be a totally separate position? Yes. So on film, like on on film, it's a bit more of a movable feast. You know, it depends mm. what mm. it depends what actually you're creating as to whether or not you might call it the the fight director, the action coordinator, the stunt coordinator. It might not be one person. It might be a, a small team of people. There might yeah. be a stunt coordinator and an action coordinator. Um, you know, Lord of the Rings you mentioned earlier. Uh, Tony Wolf, I think, designed the fights for that. So they actually designed how each species fought. But the guy that did the fights <laughs> for this also directed and filmed the fights for the Born, at least the Born Identity. I don't know if he did all the fights. Uh... And and that whole thing's about the shaky cam too close. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I like the Born Identity. I hate the fights in the Born Identity. Yes. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. You can't, you can't see anything. You can't yeah. see anything. There is, yeah. and there's no shot in that. If you look at any of the fights, there's no shot in any of those films where a single camera setup is shown for more than say two and a half seconds. Mm. Yeah. I, I think I give it a free pass in the Born Identity because he's a guy dealing with um, amnesia, is it? And his, you know, mind isn't all quite there. So I, I don't mind that kind of disconcerting filming style so much there plus it it felt like it was almost pioneering a new style of doing stuff but i think that's i mean and alan i think you kind of said it earlier that like it's hard to do this stuff and i think that you know like you uh spartacus old spartacus film they they have the fights where they're they're about two miles away from the camera and 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 you can't see that it's just a stuntman fencing Mm. To, to get the main actors doing everything else they've got to do and also having the level of training required to f- perform a fight take after take after take with the level of dynamic energy and and sort of specificity of movement that's needed and tell that story yeah. is hard. Um, I think a lot of actors yeah. go into this, this kind of work 
thinking either my stunt double is going to do it <laughs> or they think oh actually do you know what someone will teach me on set someone and, and and unless you're okay gladiator is a massive film they would have had probably time to really develop the fights but it's it's not something you learn overnight um i would i would yeah. love to see more of these fights if, if you could have seen the action that was actually happening mm. that would have been good and just to sort of in the industry kyle like you're the sort of person who's going to get called in hey we're doing a fight scene we need like eight guys you can be one of them blah blah, blah. do you pretty much turn up and they go like here's some moves like you've got half an hour get it together is that basically what you get uh it's a bit of a mixed bag i think like you you know sometimes you know if you're going from the script itself it might be very very specific i'm thinking more sort of stage here mm. um but screen as well you might have very specific things that need to be worked out and therefore your job is to go in and and problem solve like how are you going to do that um sometimes if it's if it's a film for instance that has a lot of fight there might be sort of loose ideas of we want to achieve this this and this and then your job is to um is to cut is to get to, to give them those options to show them what they want to see um i think i think a lot of people end up working with people that they know and who are good right so you go do you know what? i need these performers i can call them in i know they're going to do the job they know how to play they know how to handle themselves and that's why i think the sort of the stunt and the special action world is quite can be quite closed at times because right. you need it to look good right and and ultimately if you're not the main actor like everyone's job in in that in gladiator is supposed to be to make russell crowe look incredible that is yeah. everyone's job yeah you know more than it's his job i guess and do, do you find that um you know fight choreography and just fight stuff in general is it quite underestimated in the industry like do people not quite realize how much time you need or like how much resources you're going to need it can be frustrating i think i think fights unless it is an action piece if it's just a fight that exists within a production it's or even just it might just be a small moment of action. It might be falling over. It could be as simple as falling over. Mm. There's a chance that it will either get looked at without a fight director and then they'll go, do you know what, we'll come back to it later. Or it gets pushed towards nearer, maybe towards the tech rehearsals. I think I think it can get forgotten at times. And then people underestimate just how, how difficult it can be to do the thing you're doing and make it look convincing, to be able to do it night after mm. night on stage or take after take on film and ultimately to keep yourself safe as well and to keep other people safe. I think yeah. people don't realise that there's quite a lot of moving parts, which is why it's always so wonderful, you know, when, when you can run courses and, and people are actively seeking out and, and they're interested. I want to know how to, I want to, to brutalise someone, but be, but be really, really <laughs> quite safe about it as well. How do I do that? That's, that's, mm. that's a nice thing for me as a teacher. Um, but yes, I think it can get forgotten slightly in the industry. Um, I think it can get taken for granted as well. I think blokes take it for granted. <laughs> I think I think this is an expectation. Like, you know, I, I can fight. I can I, I can do it. <laughs> yeah. But it's not it's not about that at all. You know, uh, in a in a real fight, I would get destroyed. <laughs> Let's get back to the film just to to round it off. So, Kyle, we, just for that last sort of fight sequence between Commodus and yeah. uh, Maximus, are you saying that the performers are not that up to scratch? Is the choreography not interesting? Is it the way it's shot, or is it just the whole package? a little bit of all in a way like i like i like the journey i do like the journey. i like that we've got uh, an injured maximus because mm -hmm. like we said you know we haven't set up commodus uh, beforehand as a real threat so he he levels the odds i like what that does to the choice of choreography i, I you know I, I quite like sort of there's a moment where where russell crowe kind of goes cross-eyed i like that and then he kind of he's off in, in his own world again because he's dying mm. um I, I like the sort of the scrappy nature of uh, of Commodus's need to like he 
he he he knows from the beginning that he's outmatched, but he keeps going because well I've stabbed him. Surely he's going to fall over soon. <laughs> I don't I don't like the death because you can see it's almost like it's done for for mm. stage. You can see the trick. You can see as the the dagger is placed against Russell Crowe's hand mm. in order to keep it to the side of Commodus's neck so that they can place it and know that it's safely placed there. And it's just, I know we're not, you know, it's 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 1999 when this is filmed. We're talking a different kind of era in terms of what you can achieve. But it just feels really obvious. And I feel like they could have just worked the camera angle better. It's not smooth. I, I thought that as well. No. I, I couldn't, I guess I didn't quite put it into the same context you are with your experience. But it just felt like, is that it? Like, it just felt like, oh, we were kind of doing a... T- we cut from one shot where he's holding the knife near him and then the next one it's like, oh, that, so is it in his neck now? That's what we... I'm telling by the look on his... constipated look on his face. That he's yeah, and a lot a lot of the time, you know, a lot of the time with knife, because they're, cause it's a smaller weapon and because they, you, you're generally moving so fast with a knife, you don't even always see the blade in, in the person's hand. There's, there's a whole section of Commodus swinging that knife and I tried to look for it the other day and I could not actually see if it was in his uh, in his hand or not during the take. And it doesn't really matter because you know he's got a knife and you know that he's going to come in for Maximus. Mm. So they could have done something whereby we got the setup. We saw the shot of, of him trying to, to, to you know, to, to fight off Maximus, pushing the knife towards his neck, change camera angle get rid of the knife for a second and have that moment where you basically sort of, you know, bring it in uh, and stab him. And that could have been a much smoother affair. They could have got around it without making this sort of clunky, that the whole continuity is off at that moment. One point his hand is against his neck. The next moment it's like further back. And it's, yeah, I don't think that's well executed, sadly. And I would have loved it to have been a better fight. Something we did when I did some training with you, Kyle, uh, one thing you taught us was play the injury. If you've been hurt, you, someone slices your leg, then limp, you know, like show show that you're injured. <laughs> and obviously, Russell Crowe fights this whole thing after being stabbed in the, in the ribs. So it, he is, he's basically his left arm is kind of held to his chest the whole time through. And I like that. It just gives it that flavor. It gives it a kind of a, a clumsier choreography, but obviously in a mm. good way, you know, like in a, in a way that's showing the story. I do like that. I was trying to work out if, because if, if you know you've got someone that's injured, you're going to want to exploit that injury as much as possible. So I, I get frustrated mm. that Commodus doesn't exploit the, the, the weak spot, but then I guess maybe he's just, he wants to hide that to the crowd. So that, yeah. that kind of sells. So uh, right at the end, you know, he kills the emperor. No one cares. <laughs> and then he goes, let out all the prisoners before I die. And then he dies. And they just do what he says. Because if you kill the emperor, you become the the emperor, I guess. That's how it works. And then they all like gather around and pick him up and carry him off to have some sort of heroic funeral. And the emperor's just lying there like, oh, somebody clean up this piece of shit, will you? It's like... If if we know if we've learned anything from recent history, it should be that even the worst leaders have forty nine percent of the people supporting them. It like it feels like <laughs> they would the crowd would be going mental, wouldn't they? Like oh my god, the emperor has just been murdered <laughs> by a gladiator. What's going on? And it turns out it was a military coup all along. I mean, I am genuinely surprised that no one challenged him to a duel. In, in the run up to in, to the election, uh, I'm I'm genuinely surprised. No, because because he's he is a Commodus. I I, I genuinely I genuinely believe that he would have took 
he would he would have accepted a duel. I mean, Joe Biden just walks up to him and slaps him with a glove. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Joe, Joe Biden might be the only person who wouldn't beat him in the duel. <laughs> <laughs> there is uh, one last thing that we need to address. Well, that is Oliver Reed, well-known alcoholic who managed to drink himself to death near the end of filming. And so they had to fudge the ending because his character hadn't finished filming the scenes. Oh, I didn't realise any of this. Oh, really? Yeah, I think he had a heart attack. I was I was like 10 when it came out. I didn't follow Oh, this is, this is quite a famous thing at the time. So, basically, they had to rewrite the ending to give that character something of an ending, which I think they do a pretty right. good job of because it feels like the ending he's leading to where he's finally going to do something kind of noble to help the cause, but it, it'll kill him. Yeah. But there was definitely the original script was he was going to fight Maximus as a gladiator. Mm. Uh, that doesn't feel like that would work. But... Yeah. But the, there was, you know, some parts towards the end, which you obviously didn't jump out, you saw. It's interesting, like, you've watched this without knowing. Where he uh, he was dead. So when he actually gets killed, that's a body double. We see it sort of from behind and a wide-angle shot. Um, but then when he sort of says his goodbyes to Maximus, or, like, has his last things, it, Maximus is, like, behind the bars of the prison or whatever. And then you cut to Oliver Reed, and it's Oliver Reed's face you know obviously from another shot and you don't actually hear him talk you just you only see him go oh yeah and then it cuts to like the over the shoulder and you hear him do some dialogue which may or may not have been actually his voice and it, it to say it was 1999 technology and they had to sort of cgi his face into place and they really had to fudge it it works like i think they do a really good job for the time like now if you watch that scene now sol with that in your head you're gonna be like oh yeah that's obviously like his face photoshopped into i am gutted though like if you're right in saying that he should have fought maximus like i you know if 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 oliver reed could have been younger then (laughs) i would have liked to have seen him as the gladiator person or they do it women in love style and they're just naked in front of the fire (laughs) wrestling each other (laughs) I mean, that's what we all want, right? <laughs> Obviously, you, you know, you like to uh, sort of think about sort of the sequels as mm. well. What would you? What would your sequel mm. to this be? Well, th- this is what I wanted to talk about. Actually, is I, I don't know if you guys know, but there's there's been talk. I think there is a sequel in active development right no. now. But they've been talking about a sequel to Gladiator for the last twenty uh, years, basically as you know, ever since it came out. But they they sound absolutely insane like it it seems as though there's two different factions with the sort of sensible producers uh warner brothers or whatever company it is understandably thinking yeah we could get a good gladiator sequel out if we kind of continue the story of the struggles for power in Mm -hmm. rome and use historical records as a basis for it and everything and i i get that that makes sense but apparently russell crowe is really Hell bent on returning. Well, hang on. Uh, <laughs> of course, he is. Uh, how would that work? Then? Well, this is the thing, and and apparently there was a sequel written by Nick Cave of what, uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds of the Bad yeah what? of the Bad Seeds or Does he and write the films? Bad Seeds. Apparently, yeah, he he was writing a sequel at one point which was called Christ Killer. <laughs> um. 
and he wasn't just writing this on spec you know I, I think he was hired by ridley scott and everyone to do this and his script was about basically a load of dying roman gods were gonna bring him back to life and send him on some mission and it was going to have all this stuff about people fighting with the gods to to like <laughs> bring them down it, it was absolutely insane and it was going to end somehow with Maximus becoming immortal, and there was going to be a 20-minute sequence with him fighting the Crusades, fighting in World War II, fighting in Vietnam, before ending up in the modern-day Pentagon. And Ridley Scott was okay with this. Ridley Scott said that they probably couldn't call it Gladiator, they'd have to call it something else, but it would, you know, the same way he did Prometheus out of Alien, it would still be like a sequel that he was interested in. So that's a sequel that we, we could have had. That was in development at one point people were spending <laughs> money on developing this idea i've just looked up nick cave by the way and he has yeah. got a few writing credits like legitimate writing credits here as well he did apparently wrote the proposition and lawless both okay. of which have guy pierce in them both directed by john hillcoat so obviously working relationship there but yeah that's like legitimate film credit i didn't know he was into that at all i just thought he was uh, yeah okay. That, that frustrates me that like this so, I mean okay you know not everyone is going to give a crap about the history but like there's so much you can do like I mean I don't get it I don't get it why would you why why well, why it's... bring Russell Crowe back why <laughs> I guess it, it's it's of a an idea that he is gladiator and it's from an era when star power was more important than franchise IP power, I guess. I imagine they're not planning to bring him back for the sequel that they're working on now, because you don't need to. And, you know, as much as I personally would love to see the film where Russell Crowe fights every war in history after slaying all of the <laughs> gods of Rome and bring, being brought back to life, as much as that's the film I want to see, the sensible option is, yeah, you, you explore more of actual roman history as a kind of framework for fun action scenes and battles see what i'd like to see because i mean the the marcus aurelius death is like the end of the the roman peace the pax romana i think it is and this idea of decline and empire on decline um obviously mm. you know by by the, the late 200 bc i'm pretty sure that is is not britain like heavily part of the empire by that point yeah. but it's a constant problem there's loads of directions they could go and explore the, the decay of an empire um sort of you know as, as everything starts to fall apart and actually you know rome lose itself and actually the interesting stuff is not even to do with rome at that point you've got literally the rest of the world to be interested in yeah. um the, the, making russell crowe fight every fucking war known to man just 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 <laughs> genuinely frustrates me <laughs> um yeah so i mean i guess we should just wrap up with our yeah give us our ratings. gladiator ratings then yeah i mean ultimately like i said it kind of didn't quite grasp my attention in the way i would like but to say it was nearly three hours long I got through it okay. I think it definitely picked up. I think as we talked about earlier, the first yeah. hour is a bit slow, and then once the, the real narrative gets going. But yeah, ultimately I, I was sort of engaged by the end, but not really buying into it on an emotional... Like, I didn't care particularly, over and above. Mm. Eh, it's a film, I'm engaged with the story. But you know, it's pretty cool. There's some nice bits in it. For me, it's your absolute classic 7 out of 10. Straight down the line. I mean, that's that's what I had this down as from when I watched it as a 10 or 11 year old. But I guess I wasn't, you know, I wasn't particularly discerning you back then. And if someone told me something, like that, 
<laughs> yeah. If someone told me something was good, I didn't dare go against the opinion. So seven out of ten was kind of the safe. Okay, well, I'm saying it's all right without really getting behind it. I, to be honest, I think I was in a bit of a bad mood when I watched it last <laughs> night. And it's just not to my taste at all, this kind of swords and sandals fighting. Like I said, it, it reminded me a lot, just tonally, of Game of Thrones, which I also do not understand at all, even though it's like the most popular thing in the world. And there weren't even any dragons in this, there was just the odd tiger and a chicken. Um, so I, I, I bumped my score down, and I think I'm being a bit harsh, but I'm, I don't know, I just... I just found it very dull there were certain scenes that i really loved and found very engaging but on the whole it just didn't really do it for me so i'm gonna give it a five out of ten brutal kyle um i mean i, ch- I chose the film um there's, <laughs> there's so much of this film that when i watch it back now I, I i don't like um in the way that i used to and so much where you know i find myself going which is kind of, I guess, normal with what I do. If I was going to do that, that's how I'd want to choreograph the fights. That's how I'd want it to look. That's how I'd want it to, to be executed. And, and it doesn't live up to what I want to see. And, and, it, and as, as we sort of said, it fits into that sort of genre of, of action movie, which is slightly disappointing in terms of its final product. And yet it sparked this... I think, it, I think it's the movie that probably sparked a love for um, the historical base, the slightly fantastical-based um, action movies... And 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 me wanting to kind of emulate it, you know, I didn't want to be Russell Crowe, definitely, but I did want to be Gladiator. You know, I was I was interested, and you know, and I have through my career um, ended up fighting in various suits of armor and things quite a lot. And so, and so for that reason, even though <laughs> if I watched it with fresh eyes again, completely disconnected, I wouldn't do this. It's probably like a nine out of ten for me. It's the film that I watch every couple of years. It's that nostalgia the... element coming into play, isn't it? <laughs> no, do you know, do you know what it? That's I mean, fair. I, know that's... No, I, I think that's fair. I, I kind of, I kind of went low, knowing that you guys would <laughs> probably bump it up a bit, and it would be all right. If if I had to go and live on a desert island, and I could take one movie with me for the rest of my life, I would not take Gladiator. <laughs> I would not. I am not sitting through three hours of that every day. But if someone said to me. You get to watch one more film, and then that's it. You're done. Yeah. I, I, I genuinely think I'd probably pick Gladiator. Fair enough. Mm. Fair enough. Well, that's a, a, a quite a wide range there. We average out at a seven. That's not too bad. I think that's fair. Well, according, yeah. according to IMDb, yeah. this is the 41st best film ever made. So, you know, it's, well. it's a good reputation out there. I mean, I guess that shows that everyone kind of thinks it's good, but I don't know. When I was looking at Rotten Tomatoes and Letterboxd and things like that, it, it does seem like people are a bit less, or maybe it's more poncy film people like you and me, Alan, <laughs> who are just kind of a bit less um, enthusiastic. They still seem to like it, but it's much more around the kind of 7 out of 10 mark than the greatest film ever made kind of mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Letterboxd, by the way, guys, Diminishing Returns is now on Letterboxd, if that's something you do. So go and go and follow the official account for all the all the ratings off this show that you listen to and stuff like that. You can in- interact with it if you're on there. <laughs> I'm sure that means nothing to you, Alan. Either. <laughs> I haven't really grasped what Letterboxd Calvin's gone on about it a few yeah. times. Okay, so... Uh... I mean, that's it, basically. Thank you very much, Kyle, for coming on. Thanks for bringing this yeah, uh, epic three-hour journey into my life again. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, if, if anybody needs a, a fight uh, tutor or fight choreographer in the London area, uh, Kyle O'Shea. Uh, kyleoshea.com. 
That K I E L O S H E A dot com. Thank you very much for the plug. I, I recommend him heartily as a as a stage combat shooter. <laughs> I really have recommended you actually. Um, friend of the show Grace is doing your course um, upon my recommendation. Ah, yeah, uh, wonderful. When you managed to get it going. Oh, well, thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so just before we go, Kyle, I, I know from hanging around with you stage combat a lot a little bit, I, I learned that you, you love to tell war stories. So just to finish it off, tell us the most dangerous thing you've ever done in, in the in professional business, not in your personal okay. life. Can I, can I tell you, can I tell you one of the most embarrassing and stupid things I've done? Okay. Yes. Um, so I was going to say last summer, but that's not true. Uh, the summer <laughs> before last, um, I was performing some Tudor based fights at Hampton Court Palace and we were doing Tudor wrestling and fighting with longsword and sword and buckler and one of the fights was fighting with a pole axe right so what, what's a pole axe yeah. so a pole axe think like a six foot bit of wood with a bit of metal on the top of it that looks somewhere between like one end looks like uh, an axe the other end the other side of the metal looks like a hammer with like a spike on top so it's a nice, aggressive bit of kit. It's the sort of thing that sort of in medieval warfare, you would have had people swinging these things uh, as a way of trying to take out the horse as opposed to the man. Uh, Sol's girlfriend wouldn't like that. Just no, talking no, no, no. Breaking a horse's knees from six yeah. feet away. <laughs> we're swinging these things around, really going for it. And we're outside at Court Palace. So it looks beautiful. And we've got like an audience on around this little wrestling ring, basically, on all four sides that we're fighting in. And it ended, the fight, the choreographed fight ended with me using the, the, the haft, the stick of this poleaxe, to lock up my opponent's leg, and he's on the ground. He, he, he submits, and I kind of cheer to the crowd. Um, and it's that, you know, I say to students, you know, don't improvise, don't change the choreography, don't... <laughs> Don't go off book here. But obviously you've got this crowd around you and I'm getting a bit sort of G'd up. And I was like, <laughs> right, what I'm going to do is in the next performance, I'm going to just use my arm to, to, to lock up his ankle. And I'm going to hold this mighty pole axe up in the air in, in victory. <laughs> next performance came around and I was holding the, uh, the half too far down, too low. And so as I raised it in the air, the weight of the, of the metal head of, of, of this pole axe it basically just it was quite light it was it wasn't a heavy thing it just sort of donked me on the head <laughs> and uh, you, first of all you know that everyone's seen it you know that everyone has seen <laughs> this thing just go whack on your unarmored head and i thought i can style it out i can style it. it's fine and one of the other performers was sort of officiating pretending to officiate the fight and he'd had a joke about you know it's gonna be the first you know to, uh, fight to first blood and he walked over to make a joke and then stopped and sort of stared at me wide-eyed as my head just started spurting blood <laughs> up into the air. And so I, I didn't even know what was going on because I couldn't feel a thing. But it's just, you know, just, just squeezing blood out the top of my head, shooting it like a fountain. And all of a sudden I'm being very quickly sort of whisked away through all of these different people to, back towards the palace, trying, <laughs> trying not to look like I've just done a really embarrassing, really stupid thing to myself. <laughs> but then because it's a palace and because getting back to the changing rooms or whatever takes a while, I had to sit there, you know, the, sort of the entrance to the gardens with blood all down my shirt and down my face, trying to stem this little this little fountain that had been created on the top of my head while people walked past and took photos. I was like, <laughs> I've, 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 this is a real low point for me. <laughs> yeah, just don't change the choreography. <laughs> There you go. 
professional Kyle O'Shea. Absolutely. <laughs> Are you, you, when you were describing the fight, though, all I could think about was the fight scene from Cable Guy, where they go to <laughs> where they go to uh, whatever the place is called, medieval times, and they do like a fake. Night. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah. They, they do a. Well, is, that, it, is that a real? It's a sort of parody of that. It's a parody of that Star kind of classic Trek, Star Trek episode, isn't it? Where Kirk has to fight Spock. They're pitted against one another in a gladiatorial <laughs> arena. Like Thor in the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Go and rate and review us on iTunes. That's a good idea, isn't it? You can do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, do That's that. Yeah. You can always do to help out the podcast. It helps to uh, spread the word a little bit. Head over to our, our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash dim returns, and take part in a vote we're holding to choose an upcoming episode's topic. Okay. And according to our official schedule, next week we'll be doing Coming to America. But that has already been delayed once, yes. so who knows? <laughs> yes, come back next week for an episode we recorded four months previously. That's it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.